Okay, welcome everyone. Hi, Steve. Nice to meet you for the first time. Nice to meet you, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. You gave a great lecture the other day, but this is the first time I've had a chance to meet you. So thank you for joining us. And is uh, Dr. Pollock with us? I've called him. We're still trying to track him down, but at this time, no. Oh. Okay, so uh, maybe there's some kind of mix up, but I will start anyway with uh, Steve discussing fasting. And when uh, Dr. Pollock joins us, we can also incorporate PEMF. Okay, so um, why don't you just first uh, take a minute just to tell us what you've been doing the last 15 years and about your book and just generally how you got to this point. Well, certainly, yeah. So I'm a freelance reporter, and uh, mostly I write about politics. But this this latest book, published last fall, uh, about the history and science of fasting and my own experience with it is is quite a diversion from my usual uh, usual sort of fare. And and the way I got to it was um, through fasting myself. I had become interested in fasting about 15, 20 years ago, um, in part because of the impressive benefits to longevity that had been demonstrated by fasting in lab animals, but also because I was like a lot of people, I kind of ate a version of the standard American diet. I put on a little weight each year uh, and I wanted to fast in order to help get the weight off. Um, but over time, uh, as my experience with fasting deepened, I became more and more curious about the science and the history of it. Uh, and, you know, I had, I'd written a a kind of mildly important article about fasting for Harper's Magazine back about 10, 12 years ago. It played a small role in the kind of rebirth that we're seeing of fasting in the last several years. Um, I had been approached then to expand that into a book. And I said, you know, there's just not enough science uh, to, to provide what I would feel would be a book length treatment of fasting. It's very promising and it looks exciting, but I just don't think there's enough there. Over the last decade, the science has just blossomed in the most beautiful way. And so two, three years ago, I said, well, I think there's enough there now. And my own experience with it had grown. So I had more stories to tell about myself. Uh, and then the history of fasting had also just become very fascinating to me. So that's uh, the genesis of, of this book. And uh, it seems to be uh, relatively well received. People appreciate uh, hearing, uh, you know, what I have, what I have researched and put out there. Okay. Fantastic. So <clears throat> let's talk about fasting. There's a bunch of people watching this right now and more or less, there's really virtually not a single one of us that is saying we'd like to stop eating. It's not, <laughs> so it's really just a rational thing that the only question is, are the benefits significant enough for us to, to do it? Um, so for a person that wants to get all the benefits, and let, well, I'll ask you about the benefits after, but first, just to discuss what we're actually talking about, there's a couple of different types of fasting. So if I stop eating, if I go to dinner at six o'clock and I stop eating at 6.45 and I don't eat in the next day until 10.45, then I've gone 16 hours. And is it, before we talk about the other types of fasting, are you saying, number one, yes, do this every day, go 16 hours between dinner and the next day? Or is someone else saying that? Well, the, the scientists and the doctors are certainly saying that. Um, and I, as a reporter, I'm not giving medical advice and not telling any individual what they absolutely should do. But as a general rule, would we be better off 
fasting longer each night? Yes, that is what the science shows. And this is very, very cutting edge research that's really only been developed in the last, oh, five or 10 years, let's say. Um, the, the first thing to know, so you're talking about daily fasting, which some people call intermittent fasting, which is separate from the prolonged fasting, which, which I'm sure we'll get to. Um, the first thing to know about daily fasting is you are already doing it. I'm already doing it. Everyone on this planet is doing it, right? Except maybe a you know baby that's nursing 24 hours around the clock or something. So what scientists did in the last decade or so was to stop and say, well, if we're all fasting anyway, what's the healthiest form of fasting? Would we be healthier if our overnight fast, for most people it's overnight, were longer or shorter. And what they found, just to greatly simplify things, is we are healthier when our fasts are longer. And there's a very simple reason for that. And this works for, this is why prolonged fasting is so beneficial for health as well. One of the biggest things that we do, that our bodies do each day, is digest our food, process the nutrients from those food, send those nutrients to trillions of cells all over our body, and then the cells do all their things with those nutrients as well. It's an enormous labor. When we give our bodies a break from that enormous labor, they take advantage of the break to up there to accelerate their uh, habitual repairs. Because see, our bodies, they're these you know, just marvelous self-healing machines that are making repairs all the time, that are saving us from cancer, that are saving us from all sorts of things. If our bodies didn't do this, not many of us would be here even just a few years from now. What happens in fasting, though, is most of the time when we're eating, those repairs go on at a very, very low rate because our body's busy doing all the other stuff that makes up our lives, including all this processing of nutrients and putting them to work and so on. But with fasting, it gets a break from all that heavy labor and it takes advantage during that break of the rest to ramp up the repairs. And that is where the benefits from both daily fasting and prolonged multi-day, multi-week fasting comes from. So as in terms of an action step though, the specific action step to get the benefit, I'm saying is a 16 hour fast. Are you saying is 16 a magical number versus 14 or 18? You know, so what, it's ideal. Yeah, good, perfect question. Thanks for nudging me. I didn't answer that in your original question. So here's here's the deal. Here's what scientists have found. The best science we have so far suggests you will improve your health and you will increase the number of repairs your body makes starting at a fast of 12 hours every night. All right. And the the repairs that you will get will increase not just sort of step-by-step, step, but almost exponentially with every hour you add to that 12. Mm -hmm. So you start getting healthier and healthier with 12-hour fasts, even more healthy at 13, 14, 15. So 16 is better than 12. It appears that 18 is better than 16. So that would be putting all your you know, eating into a six-hour window each day. Now, scientists have yet to really determine whether an even skinnier window, say a four-hour eating window for a 20-hour fast or a two-hour window for a 22-hour fast, they, they have yet to really test whether that is effective. So we don't know what the perfect number is, all right? Um, but it appears to be the, the case that if you can if you can put all your food into a six-hour, all your calories, I should say, food or drink, into a six-hour window each day, you will maximize these repairs. However, 
if you, you know, don't want to, you know, cram all your, you know, food into that window, if you have a work schedule that doesn't allow you to do that, if you can do it, you know, put all your food and other calories into 12 hours or fewer each day, you will get some benefit. And the other thing that I, that I should add is most of us who do this, if you say a six hour an eight hour window to someone, a 18 hour or 16 hour fast, what they do is they skip breakfast and they fast from say, they eat, excuse me, from say noon to six o'clock or eight o'clock at night. The other big discovery about this daily fasting that scientists have just very recently made is that it is actually not healthy to stack our calories later in the day. Our circadian rhythms have hardwired us to process calories most efficiently in the morning and in the early afternoon. So, um, and if you eat later at night, you interrupt some of these repair processes that I'm that I'm alluding to here. So, the the healthiest window so far that, that we can tell from the best science we've got is one that starts a hour or two after someone wakes up and finishes about six hours later. So maybe from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. That sounds crazy to a lot of people I know. I Believe me, I hated it when I heard it myself because uh, I loved to eat late at night. I loved to skip breakfast. I loved to drink late at night. I mean, the whole nine yards. But it actually turns out um, that if you can, even if you can't uh, put all your calories in that six-hour window, if you put the majority of your calories in that window, so you eat a, a larger breakfast, a larger lunch, and then just keep dinner on the early side and the lighter side, you can probably still get a lot of the benefits of a six-hour early window, even if you're eating in 10 hours or 12 hours across the day, just by stacking more of your calories earlier in the day. So if I could do 11 a.m. and 5 p.m., that would be ideal. You're saying 10 a.m. and 4 a.m. 4 p.m. would be even better, and 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. would be even more ideal. And the ultimate would be 8 a.m. and 2 p.m. being your last meal of the day. Something like that. We 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 can't sort of we can't narrow it down to you know. Yes, we have a study that shows exactly these hours are exactly right for every single person. Right? It's just not that precise. The science is not that developed. But we do have studies that that show generally that what you're saying is accurate. The earlier your eating window, that eight to two window is better than an 11 to five window. And 18 hours is a little bit better than 16 hours, we believe? Correct. So you're saying that if a person wants to take an additional meaningful step for their health, if every day they narrowed their window of eating to six eight hours, ideally six hours, and that six hours, the end of it was earlier, ideally 5 p.m., 6 p.m., or better 5 p.m., or better 4 p.m., then this would be a significant step that they could take to benefit their health. That's what, this, that's what the research says. Exactly right. Okay. So assume we do this 365 days of the year. We're good. Now, what other additional fasting are you, is, is ideal? <laughs> we do a, a three-day fast, a seven to 20. How often? How, so what's next? Yeah. So it depends whether we're healthy or unhealthy. All right. So we should probably hop back and a step and say that while when you eat is very important and long, too long, I believe, neglected, what you eat is still the primary thing, right? You need to eat a diet of, I believe the healthiest diet is one of minimally processed plants. Um, if you are eating that diet 
and you have no diagnosed disorders, you're not taking any medications, all is going well in your life, um, you probably do not need to do a lot of prolonged fasting. Uh, prolonged fasting is especially good at, well, I should say first, daily fasting seems to be very good at preventing disease. Prolonged fasting, probably useful for that too, but where it really shines and just outshines the daily fasting is at reversing diseases. If you don't have rheumatoid arthritis or fibromyalgia or ulcerative colitis or high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes or one of any of the other many diseases that prolonged fasting is very useful at reversing, you may not need to do a prolonged fast very often. Now, let's pretend we're all healthy, we're all eating the diets, we don't have any, you know, disorders, uh, you know, how, how often should we fast? The short answer is we do not have great research to tell us. So we have to rely on clinical reports from fasting doctors who run fasting clinics, like Dr. Alan Goldhammer, I know who's appeared at this conference multiple times, who runs America's largest and oldest fasting center, the True North Health Center in Northern California. What he advises, and this is similar advice to uh, advice that other clinics give is, uh, you know, come do a prolonged fast of seven days. If during those seven days with us, uh, you do not uh, experience any symptoms that would indicate that you are going through some sort of healing crisis, which would in turn indicate that you have some underlying hidden condition that your body may be trying to heal. If it all goes smooth, you're not uh, overly nauseated, you're not vomiting, you don't have killer fatigue, et cetera. Um, after seven days, you're done. Come back and see us again in a year or two. So short answer, <laughs> that's the long answer. Short answer is probably about a week using it semi-diagnostically to see how it goes every year or two years. Mm -hmm.